Come on. We worship a, a living God, not a dead God. Amen. Praise God. Just so thankful this morning to be here before you. I'm not sure if this mic is on or not. It is. Can you, I can't really. I can, all right, praise God. First and foremost, I just want to just thank Pastor Lanny, Sister Janice. Thank you for the opportunity of opening this door. I'm very humbled to be here this morning. Amen. It, it, it's, we don't take it lightly when God opens the door to minister to his precious people. Amen. And I tell you, you got a very godly pastor here. He's brave and he's bold with the gospel. And that's what we need in these last days. We need men and women of God to know how to stand up for the truth and our faith in Christ and what he's done at Calvary, amen. The devil ain't playing around and we're not here to give him glory, but we have to acknowledge that we do have an enemy, amen. But greater is he that is in us than he is of the world, amen. And Christ has won it at Calvary, amen, once and for all when he said it is finished. It is a finished work. Come on, yes, sir. And we got to learn how to walk in that. He has supplied, the Father has supplied everything that we need to be able to walk in this journey that we call life on this planet Earth. Praise God. And so uh, the Lord in my own personal walk has just, uh, my own personal yeah, walk has been doing a work. And he's doing a work in each and every one of us. For many years, I was just used to the fire of preaching, you know, just fire and Holy Ghost. But I'm in a season right, right now where the Lord is dealing with me about teaching and so, believe me, my spirit right now, it is so easy right now, my brother. With the liberty that I feel in the presence of God and in his saints, it's so easy right now just to engage and preach a Holy Ghost fire sermon. Amen. And my heart's in it. But God is telling me to teach this morning. And so bear with me this morning. Amen. Because it's the teaching of the word that's going to help us to grow and to know who Christ is and exactly what he's done for us. It's the teaching that's going to sustain us when the trials and tribulation come. Why? Because it always points back to the work of Christ and what he done at Calvary. Come on, brother. Yes, sir. God has given each and every one of us a measure of faith. Amen. Each and every one of us. That avenue he has blessed us with is a free gift. And that's how we come in to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you know this. This is fundamental. This is very basic. How the Holy Spirit deals with us. Yes, Amen. And so praise God for that this morning. And so my pastor, I'm going to try to be as gentle as easy. This is your garden. These precious souls right here are in your responsibility. And I don't take it lightly, my pastor, to come before them. Amen. And I pray by the grace of God that we can cultivate this morning with the word of God and let the Holy Spirit deal with our hearts what needs to be done. Amen. How many of us want to keep growing and increasing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. I don't want to be like Mike. Remember that back in the day when Michael Jordan was very popular? And you know, I want to be like Mike. I want to be like my Jesus. Amen. I want to be conformed in his image. Amen. I want to look more just like him. I want to act like him. I want to talk like him. And I want to walk like him. Amen. Hallelujah. That's all I can, I, can, I, can, I can tell you this morning. All I can do is point you to Jesus Christ Amen. and what his word testifies about him and what he's done for us. Amen. So I'd like to go to the book of Matthew. And real quick, I just want to introduce my lovely wife, Joanna. Amen. And um, for those of you that don't know us, we are, we're originally from California. So 
If you ask why uh, the Lord sent some Hispanics to the south, well, praise God. God's ways are more different than our ways. And uh, we just want to be led by the Lord and do his will. And wherever he calls us to go, that's where we want to go. But I tell you what, we're really feeling, I told my wife a couple of months back, I really feel at home here in the state of Louisiana. I mean, uh, I could bear the humidity that, you know, and all that. But I just love, I love the people here. I love the family values. People love God, they work hard, they like big families, and that's how the Hispanic community is too. And so praise God. I don't know if my wife would like to say anything. You got anything to share on your heart real quick? You good? Amen. There's the opportunity. Don't preach on me now because I'll go sit down. <laughs> Amen. Um, I just want to thank God uh, for bringing us here today, this Amen. morning. Um, I, would, I would like to say just something, just to give glory to God because he's brought me out of uh, a sickness I had COVID a few, what, about two months ago, three months ago, and um, I was dying, <laughs> but the Lord brought me out of it. God is God. Amen. He fought for me. Uh, he has us in his hands, and I just want to encourage anyone out there that if you're sick in body, God is well able on, to heal you. He's the miracle maker, the song that they were just singing. And it's powerful when we trust mm -hmm. God and uh, when we believe that God can do, it is by faith that he moves. So anyone out there that needs prayer, please let us know and uh, we will pray after the service. But uh, I just want to encourage everyone just to trust God and just keep your faith in the Lord. Come on, keep your sister. eyes in the yeah. Lord because he's our only hope. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for his glory. And the saints say, amen, amen. And so let's just, let's, you know, our hearts are ready. Um, thank you, man. The music is very anointed. It was easy just to enter into the presence of God. And, you know, why we do that? Because we're preparing to hear his word. We're preparing to hear what God wants to speak to his precious people, amen. And it's very important that we hear what he has to say by the Holy Spirit and his holy word. So pray with me and pray for me, please. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity this morning, Lord. Oh, Lord, you are so faithful. Your promises are yes and amen. Father, we're just so thankful that you sent your son into this wretched world to, to save wretched people. But you love us, Lord. You desire and you crave fellowship and relationship with those that you have created in your image. And from the garden to the cross, it was marred. But when we came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that image is being restored. And Father, that same image that we want to apply in our life, we want to share to this lost and dying world. That the world may taste and see that the Lord is good. Holy Spirit, take over my heart and my mind. Exalt Christ in this message and teaching. And may you have your way that Christ would get glory. In Jesus' name, and the church says, Amen. I like to go to the book of Matthew in the fifth chapter. And so, praise God, we most know, understand that this is uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and this is, this is phenomenal. The Lord has started his ministry, and he's about to teach these people, the, the people of God, some things that they probably have never really heard before. But now we have God in the flesh amongst his people. And Christ was able to experience what it was to be on this earth, to know what it is to thirst and to hunger, and to know these things, and to be able to fellowship 
with the very beings that he created in his image. Yes, Think about that. Amen. We're not talking about Allah. We're not talking about Confucius. We are talking about the son of the living God. God manifested in the flesh that dwelt amongst his people. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what John said in the first chapter. Amen. That everlasting word. The word that came to pierce the darkness of this world came into this world. And so what he's related in the Beatitudes is really his character and his heart of who he is and his father to be meek, to be a peacemaker, amen, to be hungry for, you know, for thirst and righteousness. All these things are like attributes and character of who he is. And so really when we look at these, when you look at this whole chapter in our own human mind, we know that we can't do this outside of the grace of God. But, you know, God has given us a willing, a willing heart. Amen. He's given us a free will either to receive it or reject it, either to obey him or disobey him. But he just didn't stop there. He went through the avenue of the Holy Spirit through the grace of God to equip us that we could obey him. Come on. We don't want to be the same person today. We want to be changed from glory to glory. And it takes the word of God to be implanted in our heart. And then yielding to the Holy Spirit that he would change us through the word. For what? So we can look like the image of Christ from glory to glory. Come on, brother. Amen. And so we know the teaching is the foundation of the cross of Christ and what he's done to save us and make a way for us to have a relationship with the Father. Paul says that we need to be careful how we build upon this foundation. Every sermon, every teaching must be be built upon that truth of who he is, the true foundation. And so Christ is speaking to this crowd. (laughs) And it is phenomenal what he's saying. He's teaching like no other person has on this earth. The Bible says that they were amazed with the authority as he was explaining the word of God. They were even amazed with him. Remember when he was 12 years old and he was talking to the elders about the word of God. And so who better to teach us than Jesus himself? And you know, the word of God is God's revelation to us. He wants to reveal himself to us and his character and who he is. That's revelation, but it just doesn't stop there. The revelation is supposed to do something to our heart that not only that it reveals who he is, but that we would build a relationship with him through repentance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so thank God for his holy word that points us exactly to him. And so this morning, we are going to be dealing with the topic, salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. I know we can deal with salt and light, but the Lord has just specifically told me he wants me to just deal with the salt today. And so let's do a little bit of introduction about salt. We know that salt was and is still an important commodity in our everyday life. Wars have been fought over it. Roman soldiers were paid their salary with it. The Latin word of salarium is where we get our English word salary. Amen. They also made special roads to transport salt, which was guarded by the Roman soldiers. Man has benefited from the use of salt throughout the ages. And so the unique thing about Christ is that 
a phenomenal. I mean, who better could you sit at the feet of than Christ himself and his teaching? And so he had a way how to teach the people. And what he would do, he would use things of discern so he could have the people relate to that and get some kind of idea of what he was trying to teach him. He was teaching them earthly things that had something to do with heavenly principles and eternity. Think about that. And so what goes through the mind of those when they hear the word salt, well, they could relate to that right away. We all can, right? Amen. Who likes French fries without salt? Unless your doctor told you you might need not to do that. Nobody does. Amen. Who does? I don't. I opened up a can of, uh, of uh, some pork just a couple of weeks ago. No flavor and no salt. And I'm like, Lord, this is bad. What's the, what's, I think the, the term for that is bland. You know, it's just, it, it, it's plain. It's, you you got to have some, I mean, Hispanics like salsa and all that. You know, you got to have a little pizzazz in your food, you know, some spice. You know, but a little hot in there. So praise God. I know that the Cajun people love that too. So praise God. So we're dealing with salt. And so let's continue with that. Let's, get, let's build a little foundation on this. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13. I'll be coming out of the King James Version Bible. Praise God. Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13 says this. He says, And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings, thou shalt offer salt. In other words, all the offerings in the Old Testament were also had salt upon them. Praise God. This is the foundation. We know that these are types and shadows of the Old Testament, of what, 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 what the picture of what Christ would fulfill when he finally came to Calvary to die for our sins. Amen. These all point to him. And so we look at that. So in the Bible, likewise, the covenant between the Lord and Israel is identified as a covenant of salt, a long-preserved covenant. Thus, the use of salt in the sacrifice was an appropriate reminder of the covenant relationship. So it symbolizes relationship with God in that sacrifice. This is powerful. Amen. Hallelujah. And I think I got my uh, scriptures mixed up here. Forgive me. Let's go to Numbers chapter 18, verse 19. I hope I hit it right because I got something else on here. <laughs> Numbers chapter 18, verse 19. So we know it's a covenant of salt relational. And look what else it adds to in the Old Testament. It said, all the heave offerings of the holy things. Am I on the right track here? Am I all right? Of the holy things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord. Have I given thee and thy sons and thy daughters with thee by a statue forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee and to thy seed with thee. Yes, sir. Think about that. So here it is again. It is a covenant of salt. That is incorruptible, everlasting covenant. So not only is the covenant relation, but it's also everlasting. Praise God. As salt was added to different kinds of viands, not only to give them a relish, but to preserve them from petrifaction, forgive me, and decay. And it became the emblem of incorruptibility and permanence. Hence, a covenant of salt signified an everlasting covenant. So these are just types and shadows in the Old Testament that points us to Christ Jesus. Amen? Yes, sir. 
And so let's go into the New Testament now that we just kind of broke ground on that and just set a little bit of a uh, foundation of what the meaning of salt meant. And also, let me remind you that salt was also used in a meaning in the Bible for negative things, but we'll get to that later. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says this. We all know that. We, we, we quote this. And even when I've been just looking at it, I'm learning something new, and it's something that we need. We're always going to learn something new, even if we have read these scriptures for years. The Holy Spirit is always going to give us even in-depth more understanding of the Holy Word. We will never exhaust the Word of God, and we all know that, because it's God's Holy Word. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, and to be trodden underfoot of men. Amen. You, ye, are the salt of the year of the earth. And so really that word you is really plural. It's speaking to all of us. Yes, Christ was speaking to the crowd that morning and telling them, you are salt. Amen. He said, you're not going to be like salt. You are salt. So let's deal with that for a little bit. So I really just want to deal with this beginning of this verse. And we'll continue with that, how it relates to the believer. Uh, the Merriam-Webster's de uh, defined the salt of the earth this way, a very good and honest person or group of people. In other words, we are going to stand out from this world system. On, They're going to be able to spot us and know that we are followers of Christ, amen, because they see the salt in our life. We bring flavor, you know, so praise God. So let's look at some of the things that natural uh, salt can do. It said it can purify, which purifies, cleanses, and preserves from corruption. So can I put it to you this way? If Jesus said that you are salt of the earth, then what is he really saying? The salt really is symbolizing his character and who he is, right? Did he not save us? Did he not preserve us? Did he not pull us away from the corruption of sin with this precious blood that he did at Calvary? So the believer has salt, has... The believer only has salt in their life, spiritually speaking, if they are in covenant with the Lord. In other words, the new covenant. Yes, Come on, salt also symbolizes the character of Christ in the believer. Amen. We want to be like Christ. He said, you are salt of the earth. Salt continues to purify the believer through the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus continues to preserve us. So if this is what we're pointing at with Christ and who he is, that we want to follow him. We want to be like him. Yes, sir. So if we are salt, amen, we're talking spiritually, all right? We're not salt. I mean, I'm not, you know, you know it just, it's, it's a metaphor. It's symbolic. Yes, but like I said, Christ is just using this as a, a teaching so people can relate, can understand what he's trying to speak about these things. When salt is added to food, it is enhanced, Right? Well, we were talking about the fries earlier, right? You, I'm, gosh. And now, you know, oof, yeah, I, I can't handle fries without, without salt. That's crazy. Unless you got health issues and the doctor tells you no, but I would probably, forgive me, Lord, still put salt on it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and that's just in our human nature, forgive me, but that's the part of the flesh. <laughs> but then we can have an overkill of salt. And how many of us have been there? I just, ooh, that's just too much. There's just got to be a balance, right? There's got to be a balance, just enough just to bring that, that, that flavor out and to just be able to enjoy your meal. And it's the same thing for us. 
the balance in Christ as we're brought out to the world and to witness and to show the works of Christ in our life. Amen. To be thy light and salt. So we continue with that. So flavor and salt symbolizes our testimony of Christ and his character is manifested in us for the world to see. So if we are like salt, then the flavor that comes out of us are the works that show of Christ living within us. And we know that it's not any works that can do anything to our salvation. That's set in stone. But proper faith, what? Brings what? Proper works. So praise God on that. Hallelujah. So flavor demonstrates our actions or good works. It's going to show who we are as we follow Christ. Amen. You're, what's the word say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. The only way people are going to be able to taste is within us and the example that we set for Christ Jesus as we walk under the Holy Spirit and manifest his character in our life. We are to be a, a set people set to the side and consecrated for the use of the master's hands. Come on. Mm. Yeah, we are to be used as a vessel who influences a dark and unregenerate world. There's got to be flavor. There's got to be action. There's got to be this faith that's being put in action, showing the world that we are ambassadors of Christ. We are followers of Christ. We are his disciple that has taught us. A disciple is just not someone that hears the teaching of the word, but they also practice it in their life. Amen? There has to be application in order for people to visibly see that we are different than this world system. Thank you, Jesus. Our mere present because of Christ in us should impact the people around us. We should be able to go to the barbershop. And I forgot who was, I was reading this phenomenal little paragraph. Let me try to remember. Help me on this first. I think it was D.L. Moody or someone that went in there to get a haircut. And somebody witnessed and they just sensed the presence of God when he went into that. I mean, that's, that's the effect that we can have in the world. And we do. Yes, sir. We really do. Come on, brother Dave. Mm, come on. Yes, sir. We should be able to walk in a situation where God's presence is in, in us overwhelms the environment where people take notice that you are different from them as far as character and conduct, yes, honesty and integrity and loving. Come on, brother. Amen. These are what should be being uh, manifested in our life. You know, we can, we can teach. I mean, I'm, I love when I learned, when I got revelation about the message of the cross, when I got revelation about what he did for me at Calvary, and all these things are good in revelation and teaching, but if I'm not applying it, in other words, the way I treat people with that is going to speak a lot about how, yes, what I really, how much I really love Christ. Mm-hmm. We got to go just beyond that teaching, but apply it in our life to know how to treat people right. Do we do it perfectly all the time? No, we don't. But by God's grace, we're practicing this. We're exercising our faith through this. The character of Christ is flowing through us. And so if we have all these things going on, if we are exemplifying the character of Christ in our life, and we're walking in the Spirit, and we are children of the light, and we are the salt of the earth, then what should be the outcome sometimes from that? What's going to happen with our testimony is people are going to take notice. I'm going to come down a little bit. They're going to take notice 
of your walk because they're going to know that you are different to the people that are around them. And that's what makes the difference. Remember in the book of Acts? When the apostles before that, the Sanhedrin, and they took notice that they were with Jesus, they said, people are going to take notice of who Christ is in you. And that's where there's going to be change in the environment. Amen. There's going to be change wherever you go because the one that lives within you is going to manifest to those around you. Hmm? So what are we, what, what's the aim of the goal for the believer as we show the example of Christ in our life? The ultimate goal is for what? That people take notice. They look at your life. They look at their own life and they're saying there's something missing here. This person's got joy. I just found out that they just had COVID and they still have the joy of the Lord. I see them in sickness and they still have the joy of the Lord. I see that they are financially going through a struggle, but they have the joy of the Lord. And even when they don't smile, I see the peace of God on their face and express that they have faith in God. That is what the world is looking for. As much as we are Pentecostal, and I am Pentecostal, third generation, maybe fourth, on both sides of my family tree. And that's very um, unusual for even the Hispanic community because probably 80 to 90% are born into the Catholic Church, to be honest with you. And as much as I love that, as much as I love the fire of the Holy Ghost and the preaching of the message, if we're not being changed from glory to glory to the image of Christ, those things will avail to nothing. Because that's what is the world looking for. And I'm not trying to nullify how we praise and worship God. I love it. I love the way that David would dance before the Lord. And we know the outcome of that story. And somebody critiqued him. And what happened? She became barren because she came against the spirit of the living God. And so he wants to do so much more in our life than this. He's always pointing us to Christ. He's always convicting us. He's always working in us if we let him. And that's what the world is, is craving for right now. And so what's the outcome that's going to happen? Is that the outcome is going to be, as I said earlier, that people see that you have this, but they're missing that. So they're like, okay, how do I got this? How do I get this in my life? What else does salt does do? Put some salt in your mouth. Don't drink no water. What does it make you do? It makes you thirsty. And that's what the world is really, some of them don't even know that they're spiritually thirsty. They just know that in their life, there's no uh, contentment. There's, they are not satisfied with their lifestyle. They're not satisfied with the things that they have in this world. And when they see you walking and, and, and showing the example of Christ and walking in the spirit, it does something to their soul and heart. They're saying, I got all this material stuff, and there's nothing wrong with it as long as it's not controlling us. But there's something about this person when they come. When they come around me, I just feel different. I feel conviction. I want to change. There's just something in them that I want. And the world thirsts for that because God has created us. That little spot in our heart, it's specifically for him and for relations. Amen. That's what the world is looking for. They're thirsty. That's why, you know, I've talked to people all day long. They have tried different religions. They have tried different teachings and meditating and this and that and gone to the world and all over. And for what? They still could not find the answers of meaning for their own life. But we have the answer. They see it in us. They see the power demonstrated 
through our life because Christ lives within us, and we're thankful for that. Remember the woman at the well, John chapter 4, even the Lord was, was ministering to her. She was a Samaritan woman, and most of you know the history of that, that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritan because they were not full-blooded Jews. But yet she was thirsty. And she wasn't understanding at the beginning. She was thinking of natural water. But as the Lord kept ministering to her, ministering, she started getting it. That she finally learned, you know what? This is the Messiah. He's got something that I can drink from that brings everlasting relationship. That's what the world is looking for. Hallelujah. The world symbolizes Egypt, but its surrounding terrain is like a dry desert. We've been there, right? Before we were redeemed, how we were. We were running to and fro in this world, trying everything, and nothing was satisfying. That's how the world system, it's like a dry place. But when we come to that, that living water, Christ Jesus, hallelujah, he's going to quench that thirst. He's going to change us. He's going to pull us to himself. He's going to bring us to himself. And that should be the desire of us being believers is that, that they, get, that they get thirsty around us and say, I want what you have. And we point them to Christ. That's what this is about. Amen. So we dealt with that a little bit. Let's deal with salt as a preservative. The moral preservation of the society. We know that this world system is corrupt, right? There's no getting around it. Amen. They're under the, the, the God of this world is ruling over them temporarily. He's paying rent, I guess. He's going to get evicted very soon. Huh? But the whole world is under the evil one. And it's corrupted and it's decaying. But we are like grace in the hands of God. The churches. You know that where you live at, your neighbors are by you for security, for safe dwelling. They just don't know that. But because you are a child of God, the area around you is covered by the blood of Jesus. We're semi-preserving our neighborhood or our community through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we need. In other words, what I'm saying, we're going to get in the way of them just getting on that locomotive train and just going to self-destruction trying to get to their destination. For Romans chapter 6 speaks of the, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, right? But we are the ambassadors in the body of Christ and the light, the children of light that are able to be able to talk to people, to reason with them, to tell them that there's a better way. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 29, and I don't really want to focus on the very first part of this verse, but the second, it says, Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. We can make a difference. Amen. We are the peacemakers and can preserve people from harming or fighting with each other. Have you ever been in a job site? This guy's upset with this guy, and the Lord's used you to kind of come in there and just, you know, just put out the flames because you're a peacemaker. Right? The gospel, the preparation of the gospel, peace on our feet, right? Wherever we walk, we're peacemakers. We're like a preservative to this lost and dying world. Thank God for that. If it wasn't for the church still being here in America, where would this nation be at? It's the grace of God that we're still being able to function as much as all the problems that we have in this nation and all the things are going on, but God's grace. 
Hallelujah. And we have this example. Matthew chapter 5, verse 19 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And the example that's right here, what it's saying is, he is not simply one who makes peace between two parties, but one who spreads the good news of the peace of God, which he has experienced. Some people even get convicted around us and change their talk and show reverence and respect. And that's awesome. And not that we want the attention, but it's just like, doesn't it encourage you? When you're working on your coworkers and they slip a word and then they, hey man, I'm sorry. It encourages me because it's saying, you know what? The Holy Spirit is working on their heart. They're, they're listening. They're paying attention. They know that this is a real deal with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey Amen. That flavor that the world yearns for, for is through Christ Jesus. Yes, mm. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I say that again because many of us can testify this morning what we used to be and how the Lord has delivered from whatever lifestyle we came out of. Mm. He's good. He's a good God. He gave the example. He's given us the avenue, and he has equipped us for us to walk in that and to be salt of the earth. And so what are the, how about, um, let's get back to that scripture. Thank you, Jesus, the second part of it. Now, here's where it gets a little bit more serious, amen, and thank God for his grace. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his savor, where shall it be salted? It is dense for it. Forth, good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. And this is the warning in that. As much as the Lord has blessed us and as much as all that's been done for us, the believer must continue their faith in Christ Jesus daily. We must depend upon him because he is our source. And we all have been guilty of getting lukewarm sometimes, a time of a season where we get discouraged and, and things happen, amen? And nobody been able to walk this Christian walk perfectly but one that came. And thank God for his grace. So Christ has given a warning here. We know naturally that salt, it can't, be, it can't change. It's salt, it's salt. But what Christ is speaking about, the spiritual things of man and how we are. It loses its flavor. And what does that mean? The believer is ineffective and not influential with those around them. It is like being in a salt shaker and never exercising the kingdom principles in our lives. In other words, we're self-contained. We have all this within us and we don't spread it out to the world. What does salt do? What does a salt shaker do? You, 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 you tilt it over, what does it do? It comes out, it spreads out. That's what we are, the body of Christ. When Christ sends us out into the world, we're spread out like salt. It looks so small, the grain, but yet so powerful because Christ is in us. But if the believer is not careful, they can stay self-contained and not be used and not profess their, 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 their testimony and not being obedient to the, uh, to the kingdom principles. We know we can only obey that by our faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit working through us. 
the believer loses their integrity and the result is moral decay. In other words, another word for that and that when it's talking about losing its savor is foolish, making foolish decisions and doing foolish things. This is what it says about it. It says to make dull, not acute, to cause something to lose its taste or the purpose for which it exists. And why? What's some of the examples that can happen to the believer? There's a reason why Romans talks about Romans chapter 12, verse 2, right? The renewing of the mind. Amen. Come on. The separation of us from this world system. There's a reason why. It doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves from the world system as far as souls, but we are to walk differently and live differently amongst a crooked generation. The mixing or diluting of salt brings about the compromise of purity and strength. Remember Lot's wife, remember? Now I told I was going to talk about the negativeness a little bit about salt. Salt is also symbolized as judgment in the Old Testament. You can read over and over again. Well, what would they do? The Babylonians would, would conquer a nation and a city. And what they would do after? They would get salt and throw it upon the, the whole perimeter so nothing could grow there. Salt will kill vegetation and flowers and plants. They can't survive with that on top of it. Hallelujah. She was warned and Lot. The angel told them to not look back when they left the city. What the Bible said that she looked back. This was a heart issue. Even though she's being delivered, her heart was still in Sodom. A type of the world system. That's why we need the Lord. That's why we need grace. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to do a work in our heart. We need him to change us. And he is more than able to do it. He is more than able to help us to stand and to be able to walk in Christ Jesus because that's where our identity is at. Remember, you are salt of the earth. Amen. You are ambassadors of Christ. You are his representative. You are a part of the body of Christ. And so your flavor and your actions are going to express who you, what you believe and who you serve. And so this person, she turns into a pillar of salt. Amen. We can't draw from just any source but through Christ himself. His commandments give detail in that. Her heart, in other words, her love for Sodom is, as 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 speaks of, remember, the three enemies against the believer, the love of the world, the lust of the flesh. Amen? These are just some warnings that I'm giving what can happen to the believer, how they could be ineffective and lose flavor in their salt. They're, they still have the salt within the Christ in them, but it's not being expressed because they're, they're struggling. They're battling with things, and it's so easy for it to happen to us. Yes, Jesus. Amen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but, uh, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abided forever. 
And so, can natural salt get its saltiness back? No. Can it be restored? No. But with God, there's hope. Maybe I'm speaking to someone this morning. Maybe you are in this position right here. I'm here to tell you that the grace of God is greater than anything else in this world. Each and every one of us sometimes do get lukewarm. We get stagnant. And the water's not flowing through our life. But God's got a remedy. 1 John chapter 1 verse says this, that, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our, our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Always remember, it's the blood of Christ. We always go back to that when there is failure, when we do get kind of moved a little bit away, when we start going to the path to the left instead of the straight and narrow. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood this morning. Amen. It's more than enough to help us. It's what we need. Hallelujah. So let me give you some of the examples of, of a disciple that rejects the Beatitudes, that rejects the character of Christ. A disciple who rejects the Beatitudes values is like tasteless salt, worthless. Just as tasteless salt lacks value to the person who uses it, so does a professed disciple with genuine commitment prove valueless for the work of the kingdom. Yes, sir. So thank God for that this morning. That when we do kind of just things happen, we can call upon his name and ask him to help us and to forgive us of our sins and continue to be the salt of the earth, to continue to be effective in this world. It's getting darker. We have to be honest with that this morning. Things are getting darker in this world. It's going to continue. The Bible says that. We just read that in 1 John. The world is passing away. It's decaying because of the corruption and the power of sin and the rebellion with involving that against God. But praise God. God's got an entity called the church here that will continue to do his work and labor for the harvest, will continue to be a light, even in dark times, to continue to be that salt that the world may be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Can we just give him praise for that this morning? I thank God for that this morning. Amen. It's a simple teaching, but there's so much truth to it. He said in his word in the book of John, for without me you can do nothing. Yes, sir. And thank God for his grace. Thank God that we can be yes, an influence in the society. Yes, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just going to ask you just to bow your heads real quick. Yes, Father, you know our hearts better than we even know, God. I pray for these precious people here, Lord. I pray that you help us, Lord, to continue to be a flavor in your hands, the salt of the cert, your character, your very being of who you are that you've expressed in us. There are certain attributes that you do share with us, and there are attributes that you would not, or else you wouldn't be God. And we're thankful for that this morning, Lord. We're thankful, Lord, that we can walk in the Spirit. We're thankful that the world can see that we are different. 
that we can point them to you, Lord. That's what this is about, God. Father, I'm just so thankful for Pastor Lanny and this church, and you're doing a work here for this community, Lord, and we come against the spirit of religion, God. We ask you that you would set the captives free, that they would truly know who you are, that they would come in covenant with you in relationship through your precious blood that you shed at Calvary, God. We just thank you so much this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We can leave encouraged. Your word, you give us warning because you love us, Lord. And if you have to correct us, if we fail you, we can come and ask for forgiveness and you restore us in that. Father, I pray for the brethren here, Lord. Continue in the faith to keep the, the, to fight the good fight of faith, the word says, as Paul says, God. I ask you to have your way, Lord. We just thank you this morning, Lord. We bless your holy name that you are faithful, God. We ask you to continue to work in us and through us, Lord. Do a work as you continue in us, God. Hallelujah. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.